Hey everybody, welcome back to the Nerd Nest Podcast. Today we are down two, but we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Of course, joined joining me today, we've got Rich and Kyle. Uh, Rich, how's it going today, man? Pretty good. Happy to be here. I had a little bit of a stressful day, so I feel like this is my way to unwind for, for today. Kyle, what's going on with you? Uh, not much. Happy to be here as always. Awesome. Uh, so first off, I want to say if you guys are watching this on the YouTube channel and you have not already subscribed to the audio version of the podcast, even if you're not going to listen to it, just go into your favorite podcast player and hit the subscribe button. It doesn't cost anything and it absolutely helps us out. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff to cover today. Uh, we're going to talk about what games we've been playing. We've got some user submitted stories as well. Uh, we've got the NES is 40 years old. We've got something to talk about there, and we've got some big news in retro games. Uh, plus, everybody already knows Microsoft and Activision uh, stuff to talk about and uh, 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 possible uh, changes to the hand handheld PC industry uh, as well. So if that sounds good, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, real quick before we get into what we've been playing. I'm just going to tell everybody what are the topics that were sent in by uh, viewers. They um, got one in here from Emilio Sanchez. They said, I would love to hear you guys uh, have a particular gimmick slash gameplay style that you wish you'd see more often in games. Uh, we're going to answer that question at the end of the show. And uh, we also have one that came in from uh, Tyler Dunchuk. Uh, they said... Uh, wondering what controllers you guys use when playing on uh, Steam Deck, uh, docked on Steam Deck. I just purchased a Steam Deck dock. Uh, that's a really good question. We will also talk about that at the end of the show. But before we get there, let's talk about what we've been playing. Uh, Kyle, what have you been playing this week, man? Uh, honestly, it was mostly uh, Final Fantasy 16. I finally finished it up. You finished nice. the whole thing? How long did it take you? Uh, I 100%ed it, and it took me about 75 hours. Man, dude, you are a machine. Like oh, total machine. Like you, you have you you hundred percent at Zelda too, right? Yeah. Oh, well, everything except for the Koroks, but yeah. And how close are you on the Koroks? Uh, I think I'm at three hundred of them. Good gravy! I think I found like <laughs> eighty Korok seeds and gave up. <laughs> uh, so hundred percent in both of those games. That's absolutely crazy. What What are your What are your like final thoughts on uh, Final Fantasy sixteen? Uh, I would say that it's definitely polarizing. Um, there aren't as many classic JRPG elements as most people would be expecting, but I think that's kind of for the best, um, to stop retreading the same ground. And I'll say the high points in the story and the, the big boss fights are probably some of my favorite in at least recent history. Awesome. I, I I definitely need to get back to that game. Rich, have you played it yet? No, but I was going to ask, it sounds like you landed on sort of the good side of the combat, right? Like I've seen even people that are willing to kind of accept the combat as it is kind of say that it doesn't go as deep as, you know, a combat game would. And so that's sort of disappointed them, but it sounds like that that wasn't the case for you. Yeah, no, you can definitely, uh, I mean, it's definitely no like Devil May Cry or something, but um, it has a good mix of classical like JRPG, JRPG elements as well as uh, as more action based. So it kind of it balances out well. So everybody ends up liking it, not loving it or hating it. <laughs> Makes sense. Yep. Yeah. 
So you you said you hadn't played it yet, Rich? No. Okay. I you, it's funny you said Devil May Cry or something, but like I I feel like I remember in one of your videos recently where you like made a joke about it being Devil May Cry. Yeah, because of that, right? Like because everyone has that um criticism of it that it's just all action combat. I haven't tried it, so I don't know like how deep it goes into that. Um but I just found that funny, yeah. Oh, speaking of videos, uh, you just launched a new channel, right? That's right, Fan of Games. So yeah, everybody, at- make sure you, I'll, I'll leave a link in the in the description so you guys can check it out. And you got your your first video out. And what's the what's the whole thing with Fan the Games? Yep. So this uh, the handle is already at Fan the Games, so you should be able to find me there. Uh, and the first video is a news roundup for this week. And the two like main topics are. Uh, the Microsoft Xbox Activision acquisition stuff. Um, mostly I was thinking about it from in terms of like, I think that Microsoft's gotten a lot of criticism in general, rightfully so to some extent, but mo- mostly is my criticism is their single player games, right? Like I feel like they can pull their weight a lot more when I compare them to Nintendo, Sony, um, and Square and Capcom, and they're just not there. And so I, I, at this point, I feel like they have no excuses. And then I also talk about The Last of Us 2 being remastered. Potentially, it might be it might be something else. It might not be a remaster, but I talk about that as well. Awesome. Well, when you were working on that video and your other video this week, uh, what games were you playing? So just now, I was playing Viewfinder. I bought it earlier this morning. I played a couple of hours. Um, I'm about two chapters in, and it feels a little mid so far. I, I hate to say it, but I, I played the demo as well, and I got the same feeling um, where, I don't know if you guys remember, after Portal came out, there were a bunch of uh, like first-person puzzlers, like Cube, um, I'm forgetting the name of another one I played, and they were all like, I get it, if you want more Portal, this is more Portal, but mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't have the same charm. And so I play this, and I think back to like Talos Principle, Portal 2, uh, the witness even I'm like this doesn't quite match that charm um so so far it's it's i'd say mid but i'm gonna keep playing it all right that's fair um so i i gotta be so what did i think it was two weeks ago i finished zelda or maybe like a week and a half i finally finished zelda and i have i've really not had any desire to play a video game after finishing zelda uh, so like mostly I've been just messing around on retro games a little bit, um, which we'll talk about retro games later on in the show, but I did pick up one new game and it was, it's retro inspired because one of my favorite genres of all time is light gun games. And you really can't play light gun games anymore without like specialized equipment. I talked about it on a recent, uh, episode on, on my channel. And somebody said, have you checked out these light guns that apparently work on LCD uh, screens? And I forget what they're called. Uh, but I checked it out and I was like, oh, these are really, really cool. I don't know if I want to spend $100 on a light gun that probably won't get all that much use. Um, but, you know, speaking of things that don't get a lot of use, I have a PSVR 2 and... I think it's awesome, but the whole, like, I got to get everything out and put the crap on my face. And, you know, you kind of have to prepare to play those kind of games. So I really haven't been playing my PSVR 2 very much. Well, then I saw that there was a new game, Operation Wolf, which when I was growing up, 
my brothers and I played so much Operation Wolf, I believe on the Sega Genesis. Uh, and we uh, just absolutely loved that game. And so I was like, oh man, there's a VR version of Operation Wolf. Let me pick that up. It was $24 because it was on sale. This might be the worst game that I've played in the last 10 years. It is really bad. Oh, no. And I don't, I don't like to crap on games. Like, yeah, I thought I was being harsh. Oh my God. It's <laughs> terrible. It's so bad. So, uh, first off it crashed. So oh, there was no. one moment where I'm in the middle of a game, it crashes. And I was like, what the hell is happening here? Which is a really weird feeling when you're, you're playing a VR game, you got a thing on your face and then the whole world just stops. And you're like, what the hell's happening here? Um, the 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 announcer, uh, narrator guy who's basically like giving you your missions or whatever, sounds like somebody's just doing a a bad Dietrich Bader uh, impression. Um, no. it, right? I, I mean, I was like, is that Dietrich Bader? There's no way that. No, it's not him. It, it it's a it's it's not good. And then the gameplay is just kind of boring like i was you know i liked the idea of playing an on rails shooter where i'm you know my character is just walking along and i'm just shooting stuff and at first i was like oh okay this is kind of cool but then like this this enemy rolls out in front of me and he doesn't do anything he's just standing there holding his gun looking at me and i was like what the hell is happening here so i just i stood there for a minute and i didn't do anything and he didn't do anything. So then finally <laughs> I just shot him and then the game continued. And I was like, it's so that's amazing. Flipping weird. Now it's not without it's um, like, there's some good stuff about it. Like there was a fun boss boss fight that I had to do where there was like a, a helicopter. No, there was a machine that had like a satellite on it and it would fire rockets. And so the mechanic of the boss fight was wait until after it fires rockets then blow up the satellite dish on top of the thing and then the rockets will hit the machine instead of you and i thought that that was kind of clever i played through three stages there's six stages in the game so i'm literally 50 percent done and i've i think i've played for an hour total like it's a very very wow. short game it's obviously a game where it's supposed to be you know you replay it lots of replay value so you can you know chase a high score or whatever but it's not fun um, not even a little, and I was Ouch. really, really disappointed by that. And I, and I don't like to say bad things about, about games because I know people work really hard on them, but I think that this one needs a lot more time to cook. So if you, if you're a VR and it, it's on all the different VR systems. So if you're a VR person, don't get that game. It's that's my recommendation. Let's move on to the news. Um, this is the big news right here. The Nintendo entertainment system is 40 years old today 40 years old people who are watching this thing is probably older than you and some of you um and so i thought well, we, one thing that we could talk about is what's your favorite nes game rich i'll let you go first what's your favorite nes game i have to go with zelda it was it's the first game i remember playing it's not the first game i owned but it's the first game i remember playing um and yeah, just blew my mind. And I played it for for years of my life, right? And for many, I didn't have like a lot of games growing up. So that was definitely one of those that I just spent playing over and over again. Eventually I got a strategy guide and learned how to, to do this stuff, but it, I wasn't able to do it on my own. But nonetheless, I still just 
went, you know, went to where I could, did the dungeons that I could, I could best and and had a lot of fun along the way. So that's my favorite. When's the last time you played it? Um, I played it. So Maximilian dude, the YouTuber, he mm -hmm. did a, a run through it. Uh, like he's not, he had never played it before he did oh. his run. So he did a live run through it for the first time. And I got all the feel goods after that. So I started playing after that. I got through about three dungeons. So that was like two months ago, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah. So very recently. Very when's recent. Yeah. Was the last time you played it, Kyle? Uh, for me, it's been probably three or four years, but my wife played it last year. So <laughs> nice. I think I played through it and beat it uh, two years ago. Um, I, and I, I pull that game out probably once every couple of years and play through it and beat it. It's just like once you get started, you can't stop. It's just so good. And especially with save states, like because yeah. you can it, like it's so easy to get through once you have save states because you're like, ah, oh, I got killed by a thing or, um, you know, I, it, my like my retro machine uh, automatically, like as soon as I start the game, it just jumps right back into the last time. I don't even have to like load the save state anymore. Uh, so it's 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 like that kind of pick up and play. It's super easy to pick up and play. So I always play it every couple of years, and it's such a good game. But it's not my favorite. We'll get to that in a second. What were you just going to say, Rich? Uh, no, I had nothing. I was just saying so good. It's so yeah. good. Kyle, yeah. what's your favorite? Uh, I'm going to have to say Zelda. Uh, the NES is a decade older than me, so I didn't play many <laughs> NES games. So we were thoroughly in the uh, SNES era by the time I got mm -hmm. to playing games. Um, so I, I probably only played like maybe a dozen of them, and uh, it's definitely Zelda for me. Awesome. Very cool. Um, so for me, every like people are going to be mad at me. Uh, first off, it's not Zelda, even though I love Zelda. And it's a game that most people really don't like at all. But it is my favorite NES game, and it is right here. Super Mario you Brothers can't be 2. You mad at that game? That game is adorable. Huh? Who's mad at a Mario game? game? What's that, Kyle? <laughs> I said That's... it's not a Mario game. That's I know wrong. it's not it a, Mario a Mario game. It's, it's a Mario it's... game. It's well, fine. Well, no, because it was actually another game. Um, right. Well, Right, yeah. and then they just skinned it with Mario stuff instead. Doki Doki Panic, I believe it was. Um, yeah. And it's so different than the original Mario game that everybody just despised it. But I thought it was fantastic. And I've only beat it once because this one is a lot harder, I think, than the original Mario game. Um, I, you know what I really would like to see? I would like to see Toad come back. Not Toad. What was the... Not Toad. What's the bad guy? Uh, oh yeah, he's a frog. I don't he's a giant frog. Yeah, yeah, with the king. Uh, I, the crown. Yeah, oh, Wart. It's right here. Yes. The curse of the evil Wart. Wart is the frog's name. Uh, I would like to see Frog come back. Frog Wart come back in uh, a new Mario game. Maybe in Super Mario Wonder. Uh, Kyle, did you ever play Super Mario Brothers two? Uh, yes, I have. Um, I'm not I'm usually a big Mario fan, but uh, it was. I think it was better than one. Uh, not as good as three. Well, okay. I. I mean, everybody always says that Super Mario Brothers three is like the best, and I do like that one. But this one was just so weird that it made me love it more. Um, Super Mario Brothers 3 was so much more like Super Mario Brothers 1, in my opinion. Yeah. But there was a lot of really cool things that they did in Super Mario Brothers 3. Like, you got the warp whistles for the first time. You had 
like the 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 world map for the first time. Um, but I would like to see uh, more Super Mario Brothers two uh, stuff instead of just Birdo. Uh, you know, I'd like to be able to throw some turnips. No, listen, week. we're we're gonna we're gonna kill that noise in this episode. So this is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading from MarioWiki.com. It says a Doki Doki Panic engine started as a Super Mario style tech demo using vertical scrolling mechanics as opposed to side scrolling mechanics. Shigeru Miyamoto suggested the inclusion of side scrolling mechanics to make it more of a Super Mario concept, blah, 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 blah. Moving on. Uh, this includes, uh, we're talking about like kind of what has been included in future Mario games Shy Guys, Bur- Birdos, Pokies, Bob Bombs. It's a oh, Mario yeah. game, guys. It's a Mario game. I don't care. <laughs> that's the All hill right. i'm dying on uh, hey and i i understand why like you're saying it's a mario game but it's so different like the thing is it's so different than all the other ones and yeah. that's why i love it so much is because it's really weird like that moment where you go down into that weird it's not even a pipe it's like a vase or something and the mask starts chasing you as, as you yeah, carry a key weird. like that's such a cool cool thing and like that's never been done again all yeah. right All right, speaking of retro games. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape... You can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Uh, This is some... Boy, this is a number that I did not expect to see. Um, Gameindustry.biz posted this. 87% of classic video games are critically endangered uh this is a uh, according to the video game history foundation and it's the idea that there's all these games out there that you just can't get anymore without like you can't you, there's no legal way to play these games without buying old hardware i just find that so fascinating like the number 87 percent i if you had said, Bill, uh, I'm going to give you a million dollars. If you can guess how, what percent of games you cannot get legally anymore without buying old hardware, no way I would have said 87%. I probably would have said 20%, 30% at most. 87%. That's a crazy number to me. Um, Rich, what, what, what do you think about this? Yeah, I it's depressing and discouraging and the problem is it's getting worse right so um i have a screen up i can send a screen oh i don't even know how chat. to do that no <laughs> i mean i chat. can send, I, yeah it's in the chat now if you want to pull it up it's um there's a chart called classic game avail- availability by the years and so 75 to 79 is terrible less than one percent available uh, 80 to 84 also terrible 3.65 but the point is it kind of peaks at 90 to 94 
where 19.33% of games are available. And then it dips down from 95 to 99 at 14.22. 2000 to 2004 is 15%. And those games are just, you know, 20 years old at this point. So that availability is going to get worse as time goes on. Same for 2005 to 2009, which is 18%. But by the time we get, you know, five years down the road, that 18% is going to go down to 15, 10%. I mean, we'll see. But the point is, that's the best it'll get, right? Mm-hmm. It'll get even yeah. worse once we reach once we reach the current generation with the consoles being digital only and everything. Yep. Like the game preservation is going to be literally impossible for this generation. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I almost feel like uh, there's got to be, I, there's got to be some kind of solution where there's like a digital library where they can upload this stuff and people can check it out so that they can see it. Because I mean, let's be honest, like nobody's going back to play certain games. Like I got, I got games on my shelf back there from like the the Fairchild Channel F, right? Um, I got those because my last name's Fairchild. And I was like, that's cool. I've never turned them on because I don't have a TV to hook this thing up to because it like it won't work with a modern TV. Um, but like there's nobody that's that's like itching to really play those games. But there should be because video games are art, they, there should be a way to preserve them yeah. so that future generations can look back and be like, oh, wow. Look at that. That's like that's it's crazy. Uh, like that they were able to do this in 1970, whatever, like 1975 or whatever. Um, so Bill, that's you, all gone. Yeah. You, you hit the nail on the head, right? So like VGHF did this specifically for the purpose of like raising awareness. They did this study to raise awareness mm-hmm. in terms of that. So like what they would like to do, I wish they had documented a bit more of sort of what the plan is, but what they would like to do is use this as a way to generate interest and have sort of the industry buy in the way they bought into like ESRB, have the industry buy into sort of a library or archive model, and also to bring um, bring about exceptions in the DMCA that will help them do that work more easily. I think some of the criticism I've seen of that is that like, we're looking for our corporate overlords to help us. Um, but I, I don't know. I think you have to try something, and this is at least one approach. And nonetheless, the study is whether or not that uh, that approach is successful. The study is eye opening and definitely has generated a lot of interest. Yeah, the, the the only reason that we have the ESRB is because the video game industry was under fire from uh, like there there was going to be they were going to get legislated uh, basically because of violence in video games. You look at Night Trap, which. I played that recently because I got the Nintendo Switch version of it, and I got the the uh, limited run games version that came with like a VHS tape and stuff, uh, which was crazy. It, like, it was a really cool combo. Uh, I played that. The violence in that game is laughable, yeah. and I, there's a documentary about it that you guys have to watch. Like the 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 people made it worse. By trying to make it, by having the vampires not, like, bite anybody. So, like, in that game, the vampires don't bite anybody because they didn't want to show vampires biting people, right? 
So instead, they have like a big clamp that wraps around your neck, and then a Ooh. drill bit goes towards your neck. You don't actually see anything happen, but you imagine what happens. And it's like, that's terrible. But <laughs> yeah. they don't actually ever show anything. And so there's no good reason for like that to have been on everybody's radar other than there were scantily clad women in that game. But then there's Mortal Kombat, which where you're, you're like ripping people's heads off and stuff. And so those games kind of ushered in this, this, uh, you know, the, the ES or not the ESRB, but the, you know, Congress coming after the video game industry and the video game industry basically said, okay, all right, fine. Uh, we'll do this instead. So you'll leave us alone. And they said, all right, that works. And so they made the ESRB. So I hate to say it, but the only way that the, you know, that what the video game history foundation is going to get what they're asking for is if legislate legislation which nobody really likes legislation all right except for legislators uh so <laughs> the, the only way that that's going to happen is if they are forced to do so kyle what do you think about about this this number 87 percent? and i love that graph that you said uh rich go ahead kyle uh i think that makes perfect sense uh between uh availability of games from from the nes era being bad at best all the way up through uh the more modern games just not even having physical releases unless it's run by limited run games or something uh -huh. there's just so many games that like history will lose track of if nothing else um and yeah the fact that they can't they legally can't back them up or provide them is it's a massive like i don't know if i want to say uh affront to the uh the developers themselves but it, it just, it, it's just it's basically seeing your life's work go away because some law said you couldn't keep a copy of it it's it's not fair for anybody involved yeah and there's going to be people who say well there's emulation and you're right there is emulation like you can you can get emulators and uh roms for the fairchild channel f machine not that anybody wants those, but you can get them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, you can get ROMs for just about every game. But what they're saying is there is no legal way for you to actually experience these games unless you go out, hunt down a piece of hardware that is going to be ridiculously expensive and might not even work, especially especially the games that are on discs. like Because discs deteriorate yep. over time you put those in if it gets you scratched it's done like there's nothing you can do about it um i have um here i can tilt it i have my my asteroids deluxe arcade cabinet you can't see it over there uh you can see it right over there uh, right there and go. that thing came with um or it had a, a circuit board in it the circuit board was burnt out so that thing will never work again and there can be lots of things like that where um where like the the chips that are in these the the physical stuff it's all gone like it doesn't work anymore and so you got to have those digital backups that can live on the internet somewhere and we just need a legal place for those to be picked up anyway i i found it to be super interesting and there's no way i would have ever guessed that it was 87 percent of retro games are critically endangered which means like no legal way to get a hold of them just crazy all right, let's move on to our next topic, which is Microsoft and Activision, the the acquisition that we have been talking about for 18 months is almost over. 
Uh, and oh my gosh, it like Sony. Sony did not do well in this. Like originally, Microsoft offered Sony, uh, "Hey, we'll we'll you know if you you want to partner up on this, and we'll give you act all Activision games on PlayStation consoles for the next ten years." Sony or Jim Ryan basically said, "I would rather your deal just get blocked," which is perfectly fair. Like they they want to maximize revenue for their uh, shareholders. That's what they got to do. Like he's he didn't do the wrong thing there, but it did come back and bite him in the rear end because they just signed a deal with Sony after it was clear that this deal is probably going to go through. There's a couple of hurdles left, but it's probably going to go through. Uh, they signed a deal, and it's only for Call of Duty, and uh, not the rest of the Activision games. Uh, Kyle, what do you think about this? Uh, I mean, I'm not surprised. Uh, I mean, it's basically just a vanity move for Microsoft and Activision at this point. Um, they already they already won pretty handily in court, so they didn't even have to do this, honestly. Um, and it kind of it's not a good look for Sony <laughs> coming back and being like, can we please have this game? Can we pretty please have this game? <laughs> when uh, when they were in, there were emails saying we don't need that game. Uh, <laughs> It's definitely not a good look for them. Uh, so yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's I, I'm I'm interested in seeing what they say in the coming months about it, with so, all the information that's been made public. A little while back, Sony said, uh, "If if this deal goes through, I don't know that we can provide our dev kits for the PS6 to Activision because they might report up to Microsoft about the things they were doing with those dev kits." Rich, do you think that Sony was, you know, they were just, I mean, they did it with Minecraft where they didn't do, they didn't provide dev kits for PS5. And that's why there's no PS5 version of Minecraft. It's just the PS4 version. Do you think that they will capitulate and give dev kits over to Activision? I vaguely feel like I saw something about that come up today as though like oh. they've already, they've already rescinded that. I don't know. I have to double check that. I'm, that may just be me making stuff up. Um, but yeah, I think I think they'll figure out a way to to give those dev kits to Activision. I think at this point they have to. I think that you know Microsoft signing this deal, as Kyle you pointed out, is sort of a vanity deal because Microsoft doesn't want to. At least that's what they purport, right? They don't want to take Call of Duty off of PlayStation. They don't like they don't want to take Minecraft off of Nintendo Switch. So whether they sign this deal or not, Call of Duty was going to come to playstation for the foreseeable future um maybe not 10 years maybe just five i don't know but you know at, at least according to microsoft's logic it was coming either way and now we're coming up on like the deadline right but as far as we can tell that deadline should be extended i think microsoft and activision are gonna agree to some sort of extension and announce that soon um but we have yet yeah to see they've it. been they've been given two months to arrive at a new agreement by the uk regulator uh so I think in September is when we're going to see when whether or not the deal actually fully goes through. Although I think they're going to close the deal in the States and then like the UK is going to be like its own thing uh, off to the side. And we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, I mean, I, I'm with Microsoft on this. I, I, I mean, I agree with what Microsoft said on this. It doesn't make any sense for them to pull Call of Duty from PlayStation. That's a like that's like saying, hey. You know, uh, 
I don't want anybody to buy this. Like, there's all there's way more PS5s out there than there are Xboxes, and so it doesn't make it doesn't make financial sense for Microsoft to not support the PlayStation on that. And that's the same reason why we continue to see Minecraft on all these other uh, other devices after years after the Mojang per, Mo, Mojang per, I don't know how to say it. The Mo Minecraft. Yang. The Minecraft purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, <laughs> like we, we continue to see that on all of these different uh, systems. And Microsoft could have just said, all right, screw everybody else. Uh, Minecraft is now an exclusive. But they didn't do that. And they didn't do that because they like money. It's not like they're just being nice guys. Right. They did it that way because they're like, that's a lot of wallets that we can reach into. So I fully I fully believe Microsoft when they say, "Listen, it's a it's a multiplayer game that thrives on having a large pool of people that play it all at the same time, and a lot of those people play on a on a controller with a square button. So we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be uh, publishing our games over there as well. Yeah, Single and here's." Player games, I don't think so. What's, what'd you just say, Rich? Here's the other thing with that, right? Like if they take it off of PlayStation, Sony is obviously working hard to get anything as popular as Call of Duty. And if they take Call of Duty off of PlayStation, it opens the door for Sony to release their own first-person shooter, first-party first-person shooter, and have a captured market in terms of their PS5 owners. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, Sony had like they bought Bungie, and Bungie's working on all kinds of stuff. And I think they said like ten different live service games, which essentially that's what the Call of Duty games are anyway. Um, so yeah, Sony's working on having the the thing that goes up against Call of Duty. I don't play Call of Duty, so I don't know much about that game. Do you guys play Call of Duty? Not since Not Modern Warfare Two. I think that was the last time I really played Modern Warfare 2, but I was really into it back then. The the current Modern Warfare 2 or the original one? Yeah, like, that's what the I was going to say. What are you talking Xbox about? Xbox 360. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. The last one that I played was when it was World War 2. Which okay. one? Okay, so I don't know. The uh, Xbox 360. Xbox 360 was World War 2. And I don't uh, even remember. I, I, I don't know which one it is. Uh, World never, at War, probably. Something like that. I don't know. Um, I always hate that, like, the time to kill in those games is so low. So, like, I like games where I, you're a little more bullet spongy. So if somebody starts shooting at you, you're like, oh, my health is going down. I have a chance to react. Not getting sniped by a guy who's, like, that big on the screen, 14 miles right. away. And I'm like, oh, I'm dead. All right, whatever. So <laughs> I never really get into these games. But I know that they are incredibly popular it, it, like, do you guys, do you think Sony's going to be able to compete with Call of Duty or like, do they hold anything back because Call of Duty is going to be on PlayStation? That's a good question. I don't know if they hold anything back. I think as far as like competing, 
I think that that is up for grabs, right? Like Call of Duty has certainly a lot of inertia, but I feel like stuff like this, the pendulum swings a lot and we're sort of overdue for the pendulum to swing away from Call of Duty. Um, I feel like the players hate it. Like everybody always complains about it. I I don't know because I don't play it, but I think like it's super popular, but people hate it. It doesn't make any sense to me. (laughs) Kyle, what do you think? Uh, I play it occasionally. Um, It's basically the only decent option with a lot of players is the problem. So Mm. as long as there is a competitor that can pull those players, I don't see why it couldn't be at least competitive with Call of Duty. Um, I mean, we just saw it in the past month with uh, Battlefield players going to BattleBit on uh, on PC. There's like there's like yeah, exactly. There's like eight eighty thousand players on this early access indie game that uh, is just filling a niche for Battlefield, which has basically fallen into disrepair. So I definitely think that Sony could pull it off, um, especially if they put their game on PC too. Yeah, yeah, I feel that like we've Go ahead. we've seen that story before. Like, um, this is this is a deep pull, but like NBA Live was the basketball game until it wasn't right. Like they they got too powerful and they started getting full of themselves, and all of a sudden, young upstart NBA Two K comes out, and it it's way better than NBA Live, and they they were never able to repair that. And so, like I've seen that story a few times, and I feel like we're overdue a little bit for Call of Duty to to experience that. Very interesting. Uh, Well, speaking of Microsoft, Game Pass is getting a new tier, sort of. Uh, Essentially, what's happening here is they're ending Xbox games with gold. This came out yesterday. It's a weird thing to happen on a Sunday. Uh, But essentially, Game Pass uh, or uh, games with gold was like the way that you, you pay to get online and play your games. And then you get like a couple of games a month or whatever. Well, that's completely going away on September 14th. It's becoming Game Pass Core. So now there's four different tiers of Game Pass. The lowest tier is just like Xbox Games with Gold, except you now get 25 games that rotate in and out of that um, that subscription instead of getting a game or two every month that you can add to your library. So the big difference is if I'm subscribed to games with gold, I can always play a game once it's been added to my library. If I stop subscribing, I can't play those games. If I start subscribing again, I get all those games back. With Game Pass Core, these are these these 25 games are in my library. Oh, at the end of this month, these three leave and these three get added. And then the next, end of the next month, it keeps rotating. So... How do you guys feel about this? Do you feel like this is a positive for the people who are uh, subscribed to the lowest tier or is it a negative? Rich? Yeah, I mean, I, I like ownership more than most people do. So I'm that's why I like Steam, right? And humble choice. I get to get the games and keep the games. But also, on the other hand, Games with Gold has been the laughing stock of the last two, three years. So, like, what's worth it more to most consumers? Games that I get to keep, but I don't care about playing, or games that I really <laughs> care about playing, but I I may lose it in a couple months. And I think the the clear answer for the gamer there is is the latter. So I think that's all right. Now, what do you think, Kyle? I think uh, I mean I'm firmly in the ownership camp as well but uh i do think that it's going to depend or perception will depend on how good the games are are microsoft going to use this to pawn off some of the lower quality 
uh, Game Pass games, or are they going to try to use it to hype up Game Pass by presenting the best games they have? Uh, I think, like, it would probably be good to do a split there, but you'd you'd need to do something to lure more people into higher tiers. And I can't imagine them giving you the best games right off the bat. So it's going to depend what they do there. Yeah, I'm looking through the Game Pass games um, that are on here. Like, so just, I think probably add in Hi-Fi Rush just this first month. Like they would have Hi-Fi Rush because like a lot of people would be like, oh, hey, this is good. I'm pretty happy with this. But then have that go away the next month and have that just be in like the higher tiers. People might go that way. But as I scroll through the games that are like recently added to Game Pass, uh, I can see them adding games like uh, Need for Speed Unbound. Oh, no, that's an EA game, so I guess not. But like Xbox 360, stacking. I don't know what the hell that is. That seems like the kind of game that they would add to Game Pass Core. Um, games that nobody is really excited about, like, and don't get mad if you love this game or whatever, but McPixel 3. I've never heard of that. Like, I've heard of McPixel. That's not true. Uh, but I don't think people are clamoring for McPixel 3. And so, like, that's the kind of stuff that's going to be in this core. Uh, Starfield ain't going to be there. Like, this is going to be at the higher tier, absolutely, yeah. because they want to get people to upsell. And yeah. I think that this is going to have a lot more people who only did um, games with gold. I think they'll upgrade. I think it'll have a lot more people upgrade than otherwise. It's It's kind of like when you go into the Apple Store and you look at, like, they've got the cheapest phone, but if you spend just a little bit more, you get this. But if you're spending just a little bit more to get this, then you could spend a little bit more than that to get this next thing. And they they have this this way of pricing things in such a way that continually pushes you to get the more and more expensive version. It's friggin' brilliant. I think that that's exactly what like Game Pass Ultimate will end up doing, or Game Pass Core will end up doing. It'll be uh, like a little thread pulling the people up to those higher tiers, I think. And then they'll raise the price nope. of that tier, which makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs> That's inevitable. Yeah. And one of the more cynical takes, and I don't mean this like derisively, right? Like I, I'm cynical as well. Um, mm -hmm. But one of the cynical takes I've seen is that like, this is, this is a good way to have a huge jump up in like Game Pass subscribers. And I can see that as well, right? Like, oh, right. This is yeah. a good way to get those numbers up. I don't know it, what would be necessarily the reason for that. Like, it, or is there like a fiscal year plan or something like that? But I can see that for sure. Yeah, that's like like manipulating like like when when uh, Nintendo puts like a bunch of games on sale at the end of April so that they can right. you know hit their the their fiscal fiscal year thing. That makes a lot of sense. So they can say, hey. This year, year over year, right. we went up. Game Pass subscribers went up by eighty percent, or something crazy like that. Yeah. Well, what really happened is a bunch of people went from games with gold over to Game Pass Core, and nothing really changed. But correct. Uh, very, very interesting. All right, let's move on and talk about handheld gaming, uh, replaceable batteries. Uh, the EU just passed uh, this law uh, that basically says by twenty twenty seven. New devices, so not the current devices that are out there, but new devices are going to be required to have user-replaceable batteries. 
so that you, the end user, without buying, um, you know, uh, proprietary tools or something, can take the battery out and put a new one in. I, I would assume that that means that they also have to provide a way for you to buy those batteries so that you can replace it, especially when batteries come in weird shapes and stuff, like the Steam Deck batteries of friggin' L. Um, not an L like, you know, the slang, but it's like it's shaped <laughs> like an L. Um, the Steam Deck batteries glued down. Would you guys consider that to be user replaceable, Kyle? I would say, I would consider it user replaceable, but not very user serviceable. <laughs> So do you think let's let's imagine that the Steam Deck ships uh one in 2027 do they ship that thing in uh it, it, with a glued down battery? They might, but based on the law they would also have to ship a screwdriver to open up the back of the Steam Deck. Uh part of the law is that if there is a tool required, they have to provide it with the device. Uh even if it's just a Phillips screwdriver? I would assume if it's a very small one, maybe. <laughs> um, like okay. that borders that borders on non-consumer like uh, hardware, I guess, right? Not everybody has a tiny, tiny screwdriver laying around, so they could definitely at least construe it that way. Um, yeah, I would think because it basically requires a heat gun or a very careful hand, they would probably not be gluing it down. Right, and that I think is a win because like gluing it down is a huge pain. I like, I like the fact that the ROG ally one is screwed down, not glued down. I think that's, yep. that's awesome. Yep. I understand why companies want to glue stuff down. Uh, yes. There's always a little mustache twirling nefariousness where, ah, then they'll have to come to us for repairs, but also like you don't want it rattling around in there. It makes sense that that it, it gives them a little less. They don't have to be quite as precise inside to get things to fit absolutely perfectly. If you can just glue it down, and then you don't have to worry about it rattling around. Rich, what do right. you think? Do you think that? Do you think that we're going to see uh, big changes to like the the you know things like the Steam Deck and the ROG Ally or other handheld right. PCs? I, I think this is one of the places where I am more cynical in terms of like, I think that there are going to be a lot of companies that do offer pushback or do, you know, follow to the letter of the law, quote unquote, letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. And, you know, somehow find ways to skirt around making it actually user friendly, whether it's user repairable, user serv serviceable. Um, but I think the two big ones, Nintendo and Valve, I think those two are most likely to follow be try something user friendly, something consumer friendly. Um, <laughs> I, I, I disagree about Nintendo with Valve. Yeah. I agree. Nintendo, if you if you've opened up any of their stuff, you got to have like four so, different weird screws. <laughs> isn't so? I, I'm I'm I know this is we're talking the Switch versus way back in the day, but I feel like the DS and 3DS those were very friendly, right? Like in terms of replacing the battery. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. Replacing the battery, yeah. I think on on the 3DS, wasn't it? I think it's just a door. It's just a door, it? right? Yeah. 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 So that's where I see Nintendo less unmotivated, a little more motivated to, you know, just go back to those days and just make it easy to replace a battery in their new console. I I know that they're not always the friendliest, but that that's where I'm seeing it come from. Yeah, I I guess so. 
I, I'd forgotten about the 3DS. Uh, I was just thinking most about the the weird screwdrivers that you have to buy in order to like fix, repair your Joy Cons. So like, yeah, uh, that makes sense. Like they used to just have a, a door to the battery. I, I will say, and people disagree with me on this. My phone, I don't care about having a replaceable battery on my phone. Um, I'll just buy a new phone in a couple of years because it gets slow anyway. Like I've had this one for two years. It'll probably last me a couple more years and it'll be fine. I like that this thing is sealed up to hell and back and nothing's getting in there. Uh, because if I drop this in the water, no big deal. I just grab it, pull it out and everything's fine. And there's going to be people who say, oh, well, there's rubber gaskets that they can put around the battery contact points. Sure, they can. It's not going to be as good as when it's all sealed up. So I'm all for like the handheld PCs and stuff, but I want my phone to to just be all sealed up, and and I don't want to have to open it myself. Um, people can yell at me in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything you guys want to add about the uh, handhelds? I, I think the waterproof point is a good one. I think that if your wasn't it something like if your battery or if your device is waterproof, you don't have to follow that law. Oh, I didn't like, see like that. That was part. one. Of, that was one of the exceptions. I think I've seen. So, just again, well, people, yeah, everybody make all the devices waterproof to avoid that law. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> it's it's yeah. a win for everybody anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think either way, that's that's good. Uh, yeah, I would like. Agreed. <laughs> There's going to be people playing Steam Deck in the bath, <laughs> <laughs> sitting in a hot sub playing Vampire Survivors. <laughs> nice. I like it. Oh, man. All right. So at the beginning of the show, we mentioned that we had some comments that were sent in by you guys. Uh, if you guys send in a topic for the show and we choose your topic, I will reply to your comment with uh, a Steam code for a game. So uh, make sure that, you know, the, come up with some good topics for us to talk about, like Emilio Sanchez did. Uh, they wanted to know, what is a particular gimmick or gameplay style that you wish you'd see more often in games? For for Emilio said, me in particular, I wish we saw more gun-fu games like the Resident Evil games. I just think there's a severe lack of games that combine melee and shooting as well as those games uh does which is such a shame uh so i'll let i'll let you go you go first rich what's a what's a genre or a gimmick or gameplay style that you feel like you you don't get to see as much these days yeah. this was a tough one for me i couldn't really come up with anything except like metal gear solid like meta gimmicks like all of that stuff like plug in a second controller or the x-men reset the game like we don't get any of that stuff anymore i think and that was fun Wait, what, what, what do you do with a second controller? Uh, so uh, have you played Metal Gear Solid, the original? I've never played Metal I I have the PS um, the, the PS Mini, the terrible PS Mini. Yeah. And so I've played a little bit of Metal Gear Solid, but not that much. How much of a spoiler is it if I... Because for people watching, right? Like it's... Oh, it's, okay. Well, then don't tell, don't tell them because I don't here. want people who haven't played it to get spoiled. I'll give I'll give an early example earlier example in the game. So in the game, there's a codec, you know, like a radio signal that you have oh, to call. Oh, right, 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 yeah. And you don't know what the radio signal is until you look at the back of the physical box, and one of the screenshots on the back of the physical box has the codec number that you have to dial. Well, if <laughs> I try and play that game emulated, I'm on like even on the You're screwed. Yeah, on the PlayStation, like because I bought it, I own yeah. it. 
I don't I, know how I they handled the it for, the, I'm for the PS Mini because I bet they did something for that, right? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, what was so. there was uh there was a really cool uh gimmick in one of the DS Zelda games. I can't remember which one, Kyle. I know you know which one I'm talking about, where you had to close the DS in order Phantom to hourglass. Yeah, Phantom nice. Hourglass. And I forgot what the like what why did you have to close the DS? I can't remember what it was. Uh it said you had to touch uh what was it? it was touch like something on the map with something else on the screen i forget exactly what it was but like the the map was on the top screen so you couldn't actually physically touch it so the way to do that was just to close the clamshell and then they would they would physically touch and then when you opened it it would progress and when 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 you did that and then you opened it back up and you got that sound <laughs> You felt like a goddamn <laughs> genius. Amazing. You were like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't I, mind spoiling the uh, X Men one. It's similar. It's Sega yeah, Genesis X Men, and you come upon a computer in the game, and it tells you to reset the computer, and you're like, "What do I do? I have no idea what to do." Until you reset the Genesis. When you reset the whole system, then it comes back up, and you can proceed. So. It's beautiful. I, it's amazing. I think I remember reading about that in EGM, but I never had that game, so so I didn't yeah. I didn't actually get to try it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't imagine like being as a kid, like sitting there trying to figure it out. And then you're just like, I don't know what to do. Like <laughs> how many kids got to that point in the game, didn't think to hit reset, didn't subscribe to EGM. Yep. And they just were like, That's they it. They didn't have the friggin' internet. And they were just like, all right, I guess I'm done playing that game. I can't figure out what to do. That's 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 gotta be irritating. Kyle, you got any any gimmicks or gameplay styles that you that you miss? Uh sure. I'll say uh really fast paced third person games. Uh the one that I'm gonna mm. the example I'm gonna give is Vanquish, which is a old game by Platinum Games from the 360. Um and it's uh, you basically just power slide your way around while machine gunning everything and it's a it's a ton of fun and there's not enough fast-paced third-person games out there that's awesome vanquish you said yeah yeah shout yeah. out to shooting your grenade in midair yeah you can throw a grenade in that game right and you can aim and slow-mo aim and shoot the grenade while it's in midair and it does like a little confetti Oh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's really nice. You know what I don't, you know what we don't get to see very much anymore? Um, Rocket jumps. You know, remember those games where you point the rockets at your feet, shoot the rocket and jump at the same time? Like that was a really, really fun thing to do. I wonder if the reason that we don't see that as much is because controllers aren't quite as fast as a mouse. And so... Like being able to look down, shoot, and then jump at the same time. Maybe it's harder on a controller. Mm. I'm not sure. I haven't tried it in a million years, but I feel like that's something I miss. But a genre that I miss, somebody left this comment in uh, on one of my videos, a genre that they felt was like was a dead genre that isn't made anymore is um, uh, like the Worms games. Um, oh, yeah. Like the turn-based, art. yeah, they called it a turn-based artillery game. And I remember, I don't remember which one it was, but my friend had it on the on his computer where it, like you were like these little tanks and it, it like it built the world, pop, put the little tanks in uh in in places and then you would just take turns. Like we would we would sit next to each other at the computer 
and we're like, oh, it's your turn. Put the keyboard over. You you know, you know manipulate stuff with the arrow key, press enter, and it shoots. Oh, okay, it's your turn. And you just kind of go back and forth. And I don't remember what game it was, but it's very much like Worms, but with actual tanks and stuff. Uh, and it had like a destructible environment. And that's something we haven't seen. And, I, and when they said that, I was like, oh, well, I mean, Team 17 is still making those games. No, they haven't made one since like 2016. So it's been a long time. <laughs> since like I, it's hard to believe that 2016 is is that long ago but it was so yeah we haven't seen those artillery turn-based artillery games in a long time but the question is for all of you guys that are watching what are some gimmicks gameplay styles genres that you just don't get to play very much anymore let us know in the comments section all right we had one more comment uh a topic that uh, somebody had sent in this one's from uh tyler and chuck and they said, wondering what controllers you guys used when you're playing docked on the Steam Deck. I just purchased the Steam Deck dock, which is connected to my uh, TV, and I've noticed some bad input lag using Xbox One Bluetooth controller. Um, so, Kyle, what, what controller do you use when you're docked? Uh, I alternate between two. Uh, mostly it's the Ghoulie Kit Kong Pro 2. Um, I like the Hall Effect analog sticks, but I've also been playing with the, uh, yeah, see, <laughs> great one. Uh, I've also been playing with the uh, Dual Sense a little bit, and I'll actually have a video about that soon. Oh, nice, very cool. Dual Sense uh, is great on deck. Is it? Yeah. Do, do, most, so like do most games load in the right uh, glyphs? Because I never hook up PlayStation stuff to my computer because of the because of the the glyphs are always like press X, and I'm like, yeah. which one? Yeah, as long as I you have the PlayStation no. controller option selected in, in actually Steam itself, then usually it's fine. Okay. Or are you just going to say try that again? I'll have to try that again because a lot of the games I tried were not showing PlayStation glyphs. And I don't know if it was just the, the subset I was trying or, or what, but yeah. I'll, I don't have the 8-bit dough uh, with the 2.4, 2.4 receiver. 2.4 gigahertz but i hear a lot of good things uh about that one especially as far as input lag goes right because it's not bluetooth so i think that's a good one especially if you're already docked you can just plug in the receiver into the usb that's a great one but yeah i, I use the gully kit the king kong or nice. kong 2 whatever it's called king, i think it's the king kong 2 pro controller it's a terrible right. name they need to it's come up terrible. with something different yeah yeah um so i mean you brought up 8-bit dough or 8-bit do, whatever. I, don't yell at me about how to say things. I don't care. I'm just going to say it the way I want to say it. All right? Um, I ended up picking up this. This is the 8-bit do, 8-bit do uh, M30. And the reason I got it was because, uh, you know, I like Genesis games. I'm a big fan of the Sega Genesis. I got to say, I am having a hell of a time getting this thing set up uh, on Emulation Station. Every... Well, because most controllers these days don't have an X or a Z button and don't have a C button. And so configuring this to work with my retro games has been a huge chore. And I go on YouTube and I type in, you know, uh, configure M30 with RetroArch or whatever. And every video that I watch shows a different friggin' procedure. And none of their stuff looks like my stuff. And none of their stuff looks like each other's stuff. And so I don't know what the hell is going on. I want to love this thing for retro games. 
but I, I'm still trying to get it to work. And, you know, if I get it figured out, I might put out a video on like how to do that. It's not really my channel's thing, but I just, I want to help people with that. Uh, so, um, if you have a solution, let us know in the comments, but for most games, I just use my Xbox series controller. I also have the eight, uh, the King Kong two whatever thing. Um, I just don't use it very as, as much, but I, I really like this one. Uh, but for some games where you need to have like mouse input and stuff, this is the best controller. Nice. This is the Steam controller. Yeah. You got to have a Steam controller, which I can't get the camera to focus. Uh, absolutely love this thing. I wish that they would make another one. I've talked about this so many times. Uh, we need absolutely. a Steam controller version two uh, that just has all the Steam Deck stuff. But let us know in the comments, what are the controllers that you're using? Uh, what are your favorite controllers to use when you've got your Steam Deck docked or just your favorite controllers uh, in general? Anybody else have anything about uh, controllers before we wrap up? Uh, yeah, real quick, I will say that the old firmware on Xbox One controllers is really, really finicky when it comes to Bluetooth. So that might be our actual problem. In which case, you have to plug it into a Windows PC and use the Xbox Accessories app to update the firmware. And Bluetooth mm. comes way more stable after that. So try that. Awesome. And and Tyler, if that or, yeah, Tyler, if that fixes it for us or, or for you, let us know. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, we've got some other videos that you guys can watch. I just put out a video. Um, well, recording this on Tuesday, so I put out a video yesterday uh, about just a wrap up of the the week's ga uh, of gaming news and stuff. So you can check that out right here on the channel. Uh, Rich, where what can people what videos can people find of yours? Yeah, I guess you can find me in two places now at Fan the Deck on YouTube and at Fan the Games. So I did two roundups yesterday that I published. Um, yeah, I almost was like was that yesterday yes it was so yeah one general games news roundup on fan to games and one deck news roundup on uh fan to deck so you can find both of those and kyle what what videos you got cooking you i think you said something earlier about a video you're working on yeah i did uh so the one i just released on friday was a uh test of five different steam deck drives and performance implications and stuff on those uh so definitely check that out i i was very interested in what happened and then my, uh, not my next video, but uh, soon I'll be working on a uh, dual sense as a ultimate Steam Deck controller video. Do, nice. Are you going to be doing dual sense or dual sense edge? Uh, dual sense. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna hardware mod it. Oh, Ooh, that's interesting to me. Okay, I'm, now I'm really looking forward to that because um, I have the dual sense edge and I like it a lot. But um, you know, two hundred dollars is expensive. You know, too much money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh well that does it today for the nerd nest podcast thank you guys for hanging out with us uh if you are watching this on the youtube uh make sure you click on the like button if you got all the way to this point and uh if you're listening to this uh then go ahead and rate the the show you know five stars or whatever it is that they do on the podcast app that you use uh thanks for hanging out with us and we will see you guys next time stay right everybody <laughs>